We are covering the narrow gate this morning. Actually, my dad assigned me um, verses 14 or 12 through 14. <clears throat> um, uh, if we have time, we'll get to verse 12. We're going to just move on for now. Just get on ahead. We're starting in Matthew 7, uh, chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. The verse is, <clears throat> enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. First, we're going to see two. Uh, first, we're going to see that there are two gates, the narrow gate and the wide gate. Second, we're going to see that there are two outcomes. One is destruction and one is life. There are two ways, one being easy and one being hard. We only get two options. There is not a third. What is Jesus talking about? What is the wide road and what is the narrow road? That's what we're going to be covering this morning. Uh, let's begin with verse 13. Uh, first, we look at the command. Enter by the narrow gate. Right off the bat, Jesus is telling us the command, what we're supposed to do. Enter by the narrow gate. But then Jesus um, says, enter by the narrow gate, then starts describing the wide one. So that's what we're going to do. I gave you the command. Now we're going to look at the wide gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. This could be confusing. We know sinful people. <clears throat> they don't seem to have better lives than ours at first glance. They don't seem to pay their bills better, have a better family life. Why would it say that the wide way is easy? <clears throat> People on the hard road don't seem, oh, I already covered that, sorry. We aren't talking about day-to-day -day living. We're talking about our nature, our nature as people. We are talking about our nature. The reason the wide way is easy is because it fits our nature. We're going to go back to last week's verse, and we're going to look for something in there. Uh, verse 11, uh, chapter 7. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give, to you, give good things to you or to those who ask him? Jesus says, you who are evil. Is this pointed towards a bunch of godless, godless heathens? No, he's not speaking to godless heathens. He refers to himself as your Father in heaven. God doesn't use that terminology when he's talking to non-believers. He doesn't talk to a bunch of sinful people and say, I'm your father in heaven. No, that is laid aside for believers. He is speaking to believers, and he says, you, who is the you, the believers? He's calling us, the believers, evil. Paul makes it a little bit more clear in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We're going to cover that really fast. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you, in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Whom we all, we're all included in this. Nobody escapes the nature, the sin nature. 
whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We are evil by nature. Why is the road easy? Because that's who we are. That's how we are born. We are born on this road. This road is our very nature. From the time we are born, our nature is to sin against God, not to obey him. Not easy in the sense that our days on earth are easier, easier in the fact that this is who we are by nature. Our nature is not obedience to God. Our very nature is, to, is not to hear the word of God and obey it. We don't have a problem being sinful. That's what we are. By nature, we are evil. We are born on this broad road, and we tend to be clueless that we're on, this wi- that we're on the, right way, the wide way. Blah, blah, blah. Say that 10 times fast. <clears throat> After God destroyed the earth with the flood, because of man's evil's, evil nature, he said, um, this is Genesis 8, verse 21. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. From our youth, our intentions are evil. They are against God. We start off on the broad road because we're evil. This is why the narrow road is hard. <clears throat> it must be sought after. We don't accidentally enter the narrow road. The road must be found and then purposefully lived. Matthew seven fourteen, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The, f- the words we're really going to be focusing on, the way and find it. In other translations, the way is written the road. So we can say the road is difficult. It's a process. It's a journey. It must be lived. A life lived for God is difficult because our nature is not to live for God. God's word gives us directions to the right road. It's easy to assume because we're Americans, raised in church, pastor's kid, PK, woo woo, that we're on the narrow road. It's easy to assume that we're on the narrow road, but we're going to look at people who thought they were at the narrow road and they were mistaken. Further on in the passage, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. I'm stealing from Brent's sermons um, in like two weeks. <laughs> chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Not everyone who cries out, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. But the one, what does the verse say? Who does the will of my Father. We can't say, Lord, Lord, go to church, carry our new living translation. Hallelujah, amen. (laughs) And think that we're on the narrow way. The narrow way is a life that glorifies God by doing his will, not our own. God's will is in the Bible, and our nature is against his will. So, know your Bible. So you aren't crying out, Lord, Lord, to someone you don't know, and they don't know you either. Know your Bible, be obedient to God, so when you cry out, Lord, Lord, he hears you as his child, not, I don't know you at all. 
Why is this so hard? Because it's not in our nature to do God's will. Our nature is evil and sin-filled. I'm really going to pound that into you guys today. You're evil. <laughs> they cry out, Lord, Lord. They cast out demons, and they do, all, do other mighty works, even in the name of the Lord. And he says, turn away, you doers of lawlessness. Why? Because casting out demons is not what saves. You can cast out demons. Amen, hallelujah. You ain't, I ain't going to see you in heaven. Good luck. If that's it. If that's it. Obedience. Even if, uh, even if you say, I'm doing this for God, that's what they did. Good intentions, godly intentions, does not get you into heaven. They didn't, know, they didn't obey the word of God. Know God's word and live by it. Be obedient to his word. Last week, my dad preached, ask, seek, and knock. Pursue God with the Holy Spirit so that we can live in obedience to God. Repent and we believe there are two roads, few find the narrow one. What about all those people that think they have found the narrow road? Other religions, another road to God, people that feel closer to God, and I have heard all of these. People that feel closer to God um, through music. I have had people tell me, the mountains, that's where I feel God. I go to the mountains and just the Lord. Um, just speaks upon me, amen, hallelujah, no, no, no. <laughs> People who think that they uh, aren't that bad, and they say things like, I might not know my Bible, go to church, but I hope God will see that inside I'm actually a good person. There are two roads. One is wide, one is narrow, few find the narrow one. These guys are casting out demons. Demons. And why aren't they going to heaven? Because they didn't do the will of God. They heard his word, but they didn't do it. These people actually think they're going to heaven. And I have a news flash for all of you guys. There's lots of people who think they're going to heaven, but they are not. And I'm not talking about the people that obviously stand out as sinful people. I'm even talking about people who claim to be Christians. They claim to know God. <clears throat> people who show up on Sunday, and I'm not just talking about Easter and Christmas. They show up on Mother's Day, too. <laughs> no, there are people, unfortunately, who show up every Sunday. They show up, they hear the word, but they do not live according to God's word. Let's look at the cross-reference um, for Matthew 7, 21. We're going to look at 646. It kind of gives us the why. So they cry out, Lord, Lord. And he says, turn away, you doers of lawlessness. Luke 6, 46 gives us more of the why he's saying that. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? That's the problem. They heard, but they didn't do what, what was commanded by God. Why even say Lord if you're going to hear God's word but not obey it? If we really recognize Jesus as Lord, we should submit to his authority and obey him. Be obedient. How do we know what God is telling us? By reading his word, learning, and knowing the truth. How does God know us? By our obedience to his word. As it's laid out in scripture. Only as it's laid out in scripture. There's not a third road. There is one road. It's in the Bible. Read it. Know it. There's one. You can't hear scripture. Take the parts you like. Cast out demons on top of that and assume you God knows you. That's, that's not how it works. God lays out, lays out the narrow road to himself. 
We must read it, we must know it, we must obey it. We have to know the word of God so we can rub our, des our desires up against scripture and see if what we are doing lines up with what Jesus teaches. If not, it's lawlessness. Jesus warns us several times on the Sermon on the Mount, do not deceive yourself. I can't count how many times I have heard men tell me, <clears throat> yeah, Brennan, I know that I, do, I, that I don't go to church, I don't read my Bible, I don't do anything to glorify God. They don't say that part, they don't know enough scripture to say that, but they basically say that. But I hope, <clears throat> but I hope God sees deep down that I'm actually a good guy. When we don't know God's word, we don't even know what's good. We're gonna look at Romans 3.12. All have turned aside, Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. We're also going to jump over to Isaiah 6, uh, 64, 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sin sweeps us away like the wind. We cannot separate from God and do things that are good. It's not possible. Christ in you is your only hope of being good. If we remove him from any equation, we do not have something we can call good. Christ alone is what takes our intended good actions and turns them from filthy rags and makes them good. These, when we look at that verse, this not, it's not God you know, turned me kicking the dog into something good. That's not what's happened. These are actually good things that these people are trying to do. And it's not good though. Apart from Christ, it's not good. You have to do it as a servant of God for it to be good. On one hand, we have all the people in the world whose very nature and being is evil. And on the other, we have the only thing we can call good, and that's God. There has to be an intersection where God and man come together, and that's obedience. That's when we have something good. If you go to the gas station and the cashier gives you too much change and you give it back, apart from God, it's only good by man's standards. This will not get you into heaven. No, God does not look down and say, well, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know my word. He doesn't obey me in any shape or form. But boy, is he good. Gave that money back. No. I'm going to push it a little bit farther. This isn't in my notes, so uh, let your tithing reflect that. 12% this week. Even, even, we see, we see miraculous things. Firefighters going to burning buildings, saving children. We need Christ to take those righteous actions and make them good by God's standard, not by man's. That's not the standard that gets you into heaven. It's not. God's standard. And the only way for something to be good is for you to be a servant of God and do it for him. I'm totally lost in where I'm at in my notes. Just give me a second. <laughs> Christ, al Christ alone is what takes our intended uh, righteous actions and turns them from filthy rags and makes them good. He has to give himself to us so we have something to offer because apart from him, we have nothing. We have to live for Christ. Christ has to dwell in us for us to even have something worth offering. Christ is the only thing that's good. For you to offer something good to Christ, he has to dwell in you. God has to live inside of you for you to even have something worth offering. That's the beginning. 
We must know God's, <clears throat> we must know God and serve him. We must know his word and his will and actually do it. We cannot be hearers and not doers because then we have nothing good. The only thing that is good is the will of God. This is why you must know his word and do it. The narrow way is hard, and the only way to travel the way to completion is to hear the word of God and do what it says. Serving God isn't a hobby, and if we treat it as if it is, we won't make it through the storms. Jesus goes on in chapter 7. We're looking at seven, uh, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the flood came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Look at yourself. What is my foundation? Do I hear the word of God and obey it? Or is your sound foundation sand? You come, you enjoy our pinon coffee. That pinon coffee, I see it, it's empty every week after worship, try to get some, it's gone. I see you guys drinking it. But that's really it. You come and enjoy the coffee and that's it, go home. The question is, am I being obedient to God? Do I live what is taught in the life-giving message of Jesus? We say it every week. It's our purpose statement. The life-giving message of Jesus to create fully devoted followers of Christ. That's the purpose. Why do we share the life-giving message of Jesus? To create fully devoted followers of Christ. What's part of being a fully devoted follower of Christ? Obedience. That's, that's the beginning. Hear the word, now be obedient to it. Be a fully devoted follower of Christ. That wasn't in my notes easier. We're up to 14%, just so you know. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Being a fully devoted follower of Christ means obedience. We don't say the life-giving message of Jesus and stop. We need to be fully devoted followers of Christ. We surrender our entire lives to God and live for him at all times, not only when it's convenient to us. I've seen it over the years. Something horrible happens in someone's life. And, God's, and it's God's fault. Or believe it or not, I have seen it just as much. Life starts going right. We got the job we wanted, the car we wanted, the house. Son's on the baseball team we wanted. Ooh, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> and that's when we don't need God. We're too big for God. Why do we need to serve God when everything, when I've got a handle on my life, I have everything I thought I wanted, I don't need God. And we don't think that way. It happens by accident. We run, out of, <clears throat> we run out of the need, in our minds, the need for God. We have everything we want, so skip church on Sunday. Go to the lake. Why read scripture to our kid? We have baseball practice. There's another ouch. This is the last time I'm probably preaching. It's all right. Don't, don't be too offended. Come back next week. It'll be Brent. <laughs> They're here when it's bad, but boy, when life gets good, they're out of here. Why follow Jesus when everything seems to be going right? We have to hear God's word and obey. Lay the foundation for your faith and see it through to the end. That's what we saw in verse 24. Uh, verse 24, the wise man, he builds his, ho his house on the foundation of obedience. 
And the purpose of obedience is to create longevity. So we stick with the faith. We don't fall away. We don't get distracted by worldly things. Life doesn't get so bad that we say, oh, God's not really paying attention. And life doesn't get so good where we say, we don't need God. We live a life in accordance to obedience by God's word. We're going to look at uh, 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 19 through 20. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have the anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. They went out from us. Who is the us? The believers. But they did not really belong to us. They weren't really believers. They're a part of the believer group, but they're not really believers because they didn't remain. They didn't stick with the faith, living for God. They showed up. They helped serve coffee, even helped in a Sunday school. But they didn't remain in the faith. They were not of us. The way is hard because it must be continuously lived. You must continuously serve God and endure for him. I had a buddy, and he asked me about uh, going to Shiprock, taking his family to Shiprock. And he, I was like, yeah, dude, go to Shiprock. He's like, have you ever been? Yeah, I've been. And I'm like, just so you know, the road can be rough out there. Just a heads up, be careful. The road can be bad. He's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. Seven o'clock at night, I'm stuck. Calls me up, I'm stuck, dude. Can you come get me? Absolutely. But I live in Aztec. By the time I get over there, it's like 8.40. Get him pulled out. Um, we get him pulled out. He's back on the road, and I say, the rock is... Rock's like a quarter mile away, but it looks like it's right next to us. I'm like, well, it's right there. It's right there. We're almost there. What do, what do we want to do? Do you want me to follow you? That way we make sure you get it all the way there. He's like, no. The road got hard. I'm tired, and I want to go home. Just forget it. We'll try another day. He didn't make it to the rock. The way got hard, and he didn't make it to the rock. If the road is hard, and you are struggling, struggling to serve God, I am truly happy for you. Keep going, read your Bible, obey what it teaches, and be thankful to God that he's working your life. Truly, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to struggle to serve God. Amen. You found the way. It's hard. Amen, hallelujah. That, we go to a Sunday school class, I hear it all the time. My life is really hard. You're blessed. I'm so happy, pat him on the back. It's weird, people think it's weird. Everyone's laying hands, I'm patting him on the back. Good job, you did it. <laughs> really, this is a blessing. It's truly a blessing to be on the narrow road. We're gonna recap a little bit. <clears throat> we sin by nature, and that is why living for God is hard. Seek the road, you aren't gonna find it by accident. This isn't a mistake. We need God to be good. Build your foundation on obedience and see it through to the end. Live a life that glorifies God. Now we really are going to circle back to verse 12. I'm wrapping it up. Matthew 12, verse uh, 7, verse 12, the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others will do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You know the life-giving message of Jesus. Live it. Share it. Be a light set on a hill for the people around you. Not just in your words, but in your actions. People can't see you going to church. Nobody notices that. 
They notice you living for God. Share God's word. There's nothing better you can do for someone's life than for you to share the life-giving message of Jesus and for you yourself to be living it. A lot of you know that my grandma isn't doing very well. This week I went to her house. We sat on her bed. She's looking at the end of her life. And we're talking about the blessings in her life. And the blessings aren't the house that she lives in, the car that she drove. It's that she got to live for God. And the same week that, we don't know if grandma's even gonna be here, <laughs> she has the neighbors come over and they want to know God because they have seen something in her life that, de that demonstrates something bigger than us or the material things that we live for in this world. The blessings that she brings to my attention or the fact that God gets to use her to share the life-giving message of Jesus with the people around her life. And the reason that it so, works so well is because she doesn't just show up on Sundays and hear the word. She lives it, and they can see it demonstrated in her life. So whenever her life's coming to an end, they come over and they say, before you're gone, we need to know what you're living for. Because I can see that you're living for something bigger than what we're living for. Share your God with us. It's the greatest thing you can do for the people around you. Our prayer team's going to come up to the front. I'm going to close in prayer, and Thomas is going to sing for a song. <laughs> sing us a song. Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to share your life-giving message. Help us to be doers and not just hearers. Help us to know your word and to live for you. Help us to share it with the people around us so we can glorify you and your kingdom. Amen.